Welcome back to Monster Seeking Meeple, the horror board game podcast. I'm Tyler. And this is Cole. And we appreciate you listening. Today we're going to talk about the board game Last Friday. This game is heavily inspired from the movie Friday the 13th. And I wanted to start talking about how we feel about that as far as a horror movie. I love Friday the 13th. Um, I love slasher movies. I guess, Cole, do you like it? Uh, Yeah, I do like the series. I always lump like Friday the 13th, Halloween, and like Freddy all in like this trifecta of horror movies that are considered classics. I Mm -hmm. would say like considering of the three, it's probably the weaker one in my opinion. But he is such an iconic killer, just like Michael Myers, where he's just silent and he just kind of goes on a, a slow killing spree throughout the rest of the movie. So I, I do I do enjoy the films. Yes. You mean Jason Voorhees, right? Oh, yes, Jason Voorhees. It's really interesting that in the first Friday the 13th, Jason actually isn't the killer. It's the mother. And here this kind of takes on the idea in Last Friday that Jason's the killer. It uses this thing of the maniac to kind of pull you into that. But Jason kind of didn't start killing until Friday the 13th, the part two, which I feel like is kind of my favorite. It really started to set the tone for this campers getting slaughtered by Mm -hmm. Jason himself and kind of set the meta for how slasher movies would behave uh, for years to come, considering, you know, Jason is going to kill you with whatever's handy or a machete and is going to kill all the horny teenagers (laughs) at the camp. Oh, it's really it's really fun to watch and it really instills this great tense moments and how people will die that I feel like this game tries to emulate in its own way. Even the title last Friday, you can tell is just heavily inspired by this movie and it shows hundred percent. The artwork kind of uses the likeness (laughs) of what the killer may look like in Friday the 13th. And it's obviously playing off of, you know, the campers are part of these campsite where there's a lake in the center and it just kind of goes and plays off of that just like the movies do yeah no sex though in this game (laughs) last friday was designed by antonio ferrara and sebastiano fiorillo it was published by aries games players are two to six the playtime is 30 to 180 minutes The concept is one player controls the maniac and everyone else from one to five other players controls the five camp counselors who are the survivors and victims against the killer in an asymmetrical match. So over four chapters, the counselors must flee the maniac in chapter one, then chase him down in the daylight in chapter two then protect their predestined colleague from the maniac's revenge in chapter three, and also that the predestined can finally kill the maniac for good in chapter four. It's an asymmetrical hidden movement game with the maniac secretly writing their moves on their own personal game board shielded from view. The counselors remain in view while the maniac only shows their whereabouts every three turns. The counselors and maniac each have their own unique abilities to help them outsmart the other side. You can play the game consecutively by each chapter or or technically each chapter can be played as its standalone game. Hidden movement games have like a long history. They started with the 1980s classic Scotland Yard. It's kind of been popularized lately by other games such as Letters from Whitechapel, Spectre Ops, 
Fury of Dracula, Nuns on the Run. Last Friday has an expansion called Return to Camp Apache, which was published in 2017. The expansion allows play up to seven players. It includes two new chapters, a new opponent, new clues, characters, and mechanics like a survival horror game mode. So that's kind of an introduction to it, and we're going to talk about how we felt about it. We will be discussing last Friday the base game and the expansion. So we'll start first with the base game and our impression of it. You know, this I do like these hidden movement games because the one that I've played the most would be Spectre Ops. And it's just, it's always fun to play the, the survivor or the infiltrator, so to speak, and try to outsmart the other players that are always going to be visible on the board. And that game just, it always feels tense. And I was really looking forward to this game last Friday because mm-hmm. it kind of combines, you know, the Friday the 13th series into this kind of, you know, asymmetrical game, something like akin to like Dead by Daylight. We, you know, when we played it, I, the first thing I want to state is like, when we first were going to play this, we hadn't really looked over the rules and it is a lot there's a lot going on in this game there's a lot of tokens there's just a lot of factors that you actually have to read over to kind of understand how the process is going to work i would say initially just it felt like a lot you know that was kind of my initial impression yeah i i would agree with you it's not a game you can just glance at the rule book decipher and jump right into play although once you've understand the game design it isn't that difficult it is truly a matter of by encompassing four chapters it wants to have a lot of different mechanics to the game that really lend itself to not something that you would be able to understand right away but i will say there is a lot to um not like about this game as much as it the theme itself is very strong really appealed to me from a whole thematic aspect and i love hidden movement type games i was a big fan of fury of dracula and specter ops so this felt naturally just in line with what i was looking for a more what appeared to be more casual friendly type of game less competitive yet every time i wanted to be drawn into it and wanted to appreciate it it always found some way to take me out of that immersion would you agree completely uh i was gonna say like i overall i agree after playing it a few times now the rules themselves aren't technically that hard to grasp it's just it kind of comes back to it's a lot like we were still fairly regularly referencing the rules it just there's just a lot of mechanics happening all at once in this game and it just feels like some of it maybe wasn't necessary and because of that it just kind of overcomplicates the fun element of this game in my opinion and it definitely pulls me out of the experience because in the end the actions are pretty simplistic it's mostly a move and choose if you want to use an item however there's a lot of like what if or if then scenarios that really start to kind of add up to be like well what if this happens then what should we do and sometimes the rules aren't super clear about it as big as the publisher is there's not like a very good FAQ and outlet to determine these type of things however we didn't seek it out too hard I feel like judgment calls are pretty easy to make in a game like this it's a lot of a lot of judgment calls of these what if scenarios like the big one that comes to mind when you and i were playing is if a survivor dies they move over the killer there are corpse you place a corpse which is basically just an obstacle that survivors can't go through without getting a shovel an item and you place that corpse where they were moving to in that first chapter the survivors are trying
trying to get into these cabins. In one of these scenarios, you, I had killed you, and your corpse was on the only entrance to that cabin. Essentially, mm-hmm. you couldn't you couldn't access that cabin period without the shovel, and we weren't really sure if that was technically allowed. It's not referenced anywhere in the rulebook, but it just seemed a little weird that this one scenario would prevent you from almost progressing further in the first mm-hmm. chapter. There's just little things like that that would pop up where it's just like, well, this isn't specified in the rule book and it's kind of a weird situation. And ultimately, it just kind of comes to house rules. We just have to kind of decide on our own uh, how we sure. to progress with that. You could very well say that that mechanic was intended and as a way for the killer to create an environment that he is at an advantage now. But it did feel like there should be a way around this that creates a very big disadvantage for a survivor's side. For perspective, Cole mostly played the maniac or killer side and I mostly play the survivor's side a one player can control all five survivors while the maniac just controls their singular entity their movements are hidden and written on a piece of paper and I do feel like that kind of has a lot of fun ideas to it the idea that I won't know where the killer is trying to find my five survivors on the map that I'm picking Mm -hmm. and choosing where they each move in turn order there's items obviously to help me locate the killer and the maniac and to potentially well there wasn't really any way to slow the killer down no not necessarily um i think the items are more geared towards finding the killer so that way mm-hmm. you can make a better decision about yeah. where that you want to go definitely i mean just to briefly touch on items and then i want to touch on the killer movement there's two items in the base game there's the bear trap and then there's also a lantern a lantern you just place it down and it reveals adjacent spaces uh, and then the bear trap it's just essentially if the killer is going to pass over this they have to reveal themselves and essentially Essentially, that's the same idea as the lantern, but the lantern uh, shows vision on more spaces all at once. Just kind of seems silly, like, why would this bear trap ever really come into play? And just kind of to touch on the movement here in terms of the killer, with all these spaces and the size of the map, which we can discuss as well, there's just so many different branching paths that you can go. And putting a bear trap like on a single line, Mm -hmm. it's it's not going to slow the killer down. It's not going to stop the killer. They can just go around for almost like the same movement it just seems like well this item's kind of useless and essentially the same with the lantern you could just kind of go around as well but at least it covers more space the other quick thing i want to touch on with movement is as a survivor you can use a boat to get across the lake Mm -hmm. which can definitely allow you to cover a little more ground quickly however the killer essentially has that same ability for free Mm -hmm. and it just seemed like i don't get why the survivor's are going to have this big movement boost, but the killer also has it. Like, that's not slowing the killer down one bit. So what was the point of having this this long path that they can jump across? It just kind of seemed uh, not necessary for the killer to have that ability. I think they tried to give the maniac or killer the ability to be stronger than the survivors, but almost to the point where, in my personal opinion, it felt like the killer was a little too strong with the idea that he already couldn't locate him and there's too many options for where he could go. So even controlling five survivors, I don't have much way of survivability. And at least in the base game, items are scarce and hard to come by and typically Mm -hmm. one-time use. So there really isn't a lot that a survivor can do to protect themselves. I feel like that was intended. Uh, I think they wanted deaths, as in any horror movie, given a maniac rampaging on a camp. But it was 
kind of defeating. It was like, it was kind of cool to have this envision that the maniac's chasing the survivors and I never know where he's going to be and I can try and predict by using these items, but there was never really a time where I felt like I was in control. It kind of felt my decisions were guided and it felt like, well, I have to go here. So if I die, so be it. I hope I don't, but Mm -hmm. it didn't really feel like I was truly in control of my fate like I had the option to like I was running from the killer felt like well I hope I hope he's not here I don't really feel like that was I don't hope that wasn't what they intended to be because that's not really a fun horror movie type atmosphere no I I do think at least based off of the four initial chapters for the base game it feels like the first chapter is meant for the killer to be overpowered so that he can get some kills. And then the next chapter is meant for like the campers to be slightly overpowered so that they can Mm -hmm. hunt down the killer and try to kill him. And then, you know, Winston repeat for the third chapter and then the fourth chapter where it just kind of alternates. I just think ultimately, I I would agree with you that I feel like the killer is just a little too overpowered because the survivor's positions are always known. And the killer, you know, he may have to reveal himself every three turns due to the pacing of the game, but that really doesn't necessarily help the survivors Mm because if they see that he's right next to them, they don't have a way to technically slow him down. So for perspective, when we talk about how the killer is has more options and feels like he's stronger the board has a ton of spaces they are numbered so that the killer can move between numbered spaces while the survivors have to move on a dotted line type of environment that basically implies that the killer can move more and faster than the survivors which is understood but the board is huge let's just get that out of the way the board is huge and it does not need to be that big i mean Mm -hmm. the game is meant to be replayable yet there's so many little corners and crevices and pathways that you cannot find any logical reason to go take them why would i ever go to this edge of the map in the first chapter i guess i could see going to these other places if i'm chasing the killer again or the killer's trying to chase the predestined in chapter three but ultimately it feels like there's so many spaces on this map that you would not go to and Mm -hmm. it doesn't need to be that big even in the middle of the map there's so many branching pathways that at any given moment the killer has at least two to four options of pathways that he can choose to go to navigate around and out predict these survivors while the survivors while they're slower and that makes perfect sense it feels like there's not a really a way to predict where the killer is going to go and to make those educated decisions about oh i shouldn't go this way because he's going to be there it Mm -hmm. it always felt like well he could truly be anywhere i mean there's so many pathways and i get one item maybe pick up two or three at the most during a gameplay that would really help me no i i would agree i think ultimately based off of the spacing the killer is going to be a little bit faster just because the map is so giant <laughs> it takes it takes a while for survivors to accomplish any of the goals that they have set before mm-hmm. them like opening the cabins or anything like that and i feel like it just gives too much time for the killer to get in a position an advantageous position to mm-hmm. kill the survivor before they can achieve their goal like as an example when that corpse 
you know, issue we were discussing there. I knew you had the key needed for this specific cabin. And since I'm slightly faster, I just ran to the entrance of the cabin and sat my Mm -hmm. ass there. And then you just walked over me and you're dead. (laughs) It didn't feel like I was outsmarting you there. Just felt like, well, because I'm faster, I'm going to kill you. And you could argue that the survivors should make more educated decisions and try and mentally prepare themselves for where the killer should be at any given moment. Sure. But ultimately, the survivors have to get into these cabins to survive and so therefore once they grab a key that is easily showcased to the killer that they need the key to unlock the cabin and therefore their moves are predictable why would i not take the shortest pathway to the cabin when the rounds are timed Mm -hmm. every chapter has 15 rounds that i need to accomplish my goals in and while i have five people who can achieve these goals ultimately if you see that i have a key for one cabin and i move my character towards that (laughs) you can make the educated decision and rationalize that I will be heading to that cabin. So like you're saying, you can just cut me off and head there faster than I would be able to accomplish that. Mm-hmm. Now, I not everyone's going to die in the first chapter. It doesn't feel logical to me. Um, but in chapter two, we're chasing the killer. And because there's five against one, I do feel like that doesn't really put the killer at a huge disadvantage. It somewhat feels like an even playing field in the second chapter as the killer can run anywhere and he showcases his actual position every three turns. So I can kind of try and corner him. Mm-hmm. But in the fourth chapter, the predestined has to cross over as in kill the maniac and that feels entirely too difficult given that survivors can act as blocking pathways against the maniac but the maniac once again has multiple options that he can go at any given time and it's hard to truly corner him in our gameplay cole made one of the weirdest (laughs) decisions i've ever seen where he basically killed himself my character was walking in a straight line and he walked right into her the predestined and died as the maniac and i well, that was easy, but I didn't feel like it needed to happen that way. If it was set up correctly, then Cole would have been able to kind of outpredict. Because even if he was caught by a lamp, or he was caught by a bear trap, or he was caught by another survivor, and we had vision of him, he could just outrun people. Yes, or because of the the slightly faster movement, just walk around those obstacles because they really don't have an effect on slowing the killer down. So I want to touch on Return to Camp Apache, which tries to literally change the mechanics of the game. While there's four chapters in the base game of Last Friday, Camp Apache only has two chapters. Yeah, it adds two chapters. It adds a chapter five and chapter six. Real brief on that, because it adds that second killer. You can only play the two killers on chapter five and six, but Mm -hmm. you could go back and play one through four with the new killer by himself. In the expansion, it adds some new mechanics, new survivors. Well, Cole, do you want to talk about like what the expansion adds in Foley, since you've kind of gotten a good experience of the new maniac or demon, as they call it in this expansion? Based off of box art and some of the abilities, it's clearly an, a reference to Freddy, is what the demon is like. And some of his abilities are just dreamlike 
abilities mm-hmm. where you can kind of just manipulate uh, these survivors with mental abilities. I mm-hmm. would say overall, the expansion, it does add some quality of life additions. Like you said, the addition of items across the board at the start of chapter four or chapter five is definitely, it definitely was needed because mm-hmm. when you and I were playing the base game, it was very difficult at least to get these other items to actually even have the ability to use them. Mm-hmm. So I really did like the addition of this. It also adds like a whole new set of items, five new items. Overall, I think the new items are definitely a little better than the ones in the base game because some of them can actually hit the killer and push them back. So it does Mm -hmm. have the ability to slow the killer down if you can guess the exact right spot that he's on. Yes. They're very specific in how they're going to work, and you have to hit the killer directly in order to push them back. And when it's already difficult enough to see the invisible killer, we didn't have much success in hitting the killer directly on to actually affect them. The first chapter there, chapter five, with the two killers, since it was already difficult for the survivors, I feel like, to successfully take on chapter one because of the invisible killer, in this chapter, having two killers who are trying to kill the survivors and not really affect each other. It just, it felt even more overpowered. Mm -hmm. It just felt like, well, now the the survivors have to do the same things as chapter one, but there's two killers now. And in fact, when we played it, the survivors lost. And, you know, we decided to ignore that so we could experience the next chapter, but it felt way too difficult for the survivors in, in chapter five. Yeah, so for perspective, the expansion begins with two killers essentially hunting the same five survivors and they're trying to get the higher kill list Mm -hmm. these survivors don't have any more advantages beyond potentially having more items they still move the same the survivors have to open these cabins and locate these two key characters called the sheriff and the witch and if they're not able to do that or if they all die or if they just run out of time in the 15 rounds they lose The game just abruptly stops and the killer who achieved more kills uh, is the winner. That feels extremely unrewarding and not really fun from an either perspective side. Uh, Mm -hmm. Technically, the survivors lost, but we wanted to experience the next chapter. And by the game's rules, we just would have stopped it right there. That that didn't really feel like a win for any party. That technically there was a winner, but it was like, oh, I won. It wasn't like a, yes, I accomplished my goal. It was like a, oh, okay. Yeah, and we ran into the same issue where, both, I mean, myself included and the other killer who was a new player to the game, we could see which key you were carrying and see which cabin you were heading to. So as long as one of us somewhat in that path, you're going to die and there's not a way to stop them. The, the witch and the, the sheriff who you were trying to get, you know, it, it does help survivors because they're essentially an additional survivor to control with mm-hmm. their own abilities and slightly more powerful items. Mm-hmm. But one thing I, I thought was kind of silly in my opinion is each killer has the ability to uh, break into a cabin before the survivors get to it. And mm-hmm. any, items in that get destroyed and that includes the sheriff and the witch and in that game we played the survivors were heading to the cabin with the sheriff in it but the killer got there first 
destroyed the cabin and the sheriff died. I just, I didn't like that the sheriff just immediately died. And because of that, you guys essentially were guaranteed to lose, uh, yeah. lose that first chapter. It did feel like there was very much a tempo type of thing. If the, if the survivors can outmaneuver the killers and can kind of survive for a little bit, they can split up enough that they can maybe create some type of advantage. But as soon as a survivor with a key dies before they're even able to accomplish their goal of getting into a cabin, it's very discouraging. You survivors are slow and you you ideally want to split up so that your survivors can't die together mm-hmm. as there's no real incentive to stay together in the base game survivors could join each other in a cabin here mm-hmm. you want to get as many cabins open as possible in the expansion the mechanics kind of change there you want to get as many cabins unlocked via these keys in order to get these this witch or the sheriff there's more of an incentive now to unlock multiple than there was i feel like in the base game mm-hmm. where you can kind of use those as a safe haven but yeah. that made it even more difficult while there's two killers coming after you I don't know if we've mentioned this, but like the keys that these survivors are trying to find, they're basically placed at the center of the map, but they're placed face down and randomly in this chapter five. So really nobody knows where these keys are going to be. Sometimes it could be right next to the cabin-ish for the survivors, but if they're spending the first few rounds just trying to locate like the first key or anything like that, then I feel like that is almost a guaranteed loss essentially because Mm -hmm. it's so quick for the killers to get to that center and start killing uh, almost immediately. Yeah. And so then the very last chapter, I guess we'll touch on, turns into a triangular version of a cat and mouse game. So what happens is whoever got the most kills in the first chapter becomes the predator and the predator is going to try to hunt the other killer. And then that that killer is going to try to hunt the survivors and then the survivors try to hunt the predator. So it's just a big circle of people chasing each other. And that should, in theory, be a fun type of mini mental game game where you're trying to predict one or the other and kind of involves you all coming to some similar type area and trying to get the other but it's really unfulfilling well as the prey you have to show your three movements similar to when you would reveal your position you reveal your three movements so that way the other invisible killer or maniac knows which ones you took as you're not visible at any given moment and therefore, if you cross that person's path at any given moment, they're dead. During those three rounds. So yeah, every right. three rounds you reveal your position, but each killer, both killers have to trace their three-turn path to where they're currently at. And if they had crossed paths at any point during those three rounds, the prey is immediately killed and they immediately win the game. I get why they were trying to go for that because it would be difficult to... Yeah, you have to you... create some type of foundation for how these two invisible people would locate each other. Sure, mm-hmm. I, I got that. But the idea that you could have died three moves ago and then it's revealed <laughs> and then it's all just because you crossed paths at any given moment felt arbitrary, it felt lucky, it was unfulfilling, it had no real likeness to a horror movie it it just felt like good job i guess i mean would you agree Uh, No, I would totally agree because it doesn't feel like even if the predator who was hunting me because I ended up being the prey, even though I may know the general area that he's in, uh, you know, I obviously want to try to play a mind game in the spaces that are provided, try to move around different paths. 
but it just seems so silly that I could find out, you know, when I reveal myself that like, oh, three turns ago, I crossed his path and he didn't know that. And I didn't know that. But now that we do, I immediately die and he wins the game. So it's just like, well, did I outsmart him? Right. I don't feel like I did. <laughs> uh, the other thing I would like to touch on with this expansion, though, is the uh, the fire. They, they definitely try to, with this expansion, <laughs> add in a lot of other mechanics. And even in the base game, this expansion also feels like, well, you're trying to throw in a little bit of t- a little bit of everything and it just feels like too much. Essentially, in Chapter uh, 6 as well, uh, you are going to place a random tile that takes up, you know, a decent portion of the map that's going to start a fire and that fire is going to spread. Mm-hmm. However, <laughs> that fire is only going to spread to the size of the tile. As long as you're walking around it, it's really not going to have an effect on you. Right. The only time we it may have had an effect is one of the tiles would affect the lake, but we didn't. We didn't get that one selected. Yeah, I think it would have been cooler, uh, a lot cooler <laughs> It would have been like a PUBG or Fortnite thing where it starts off small in one area of the map and just starts to spread as mm-hmm. kind of like a countdown. Sure. But it just kind of spread to this one tile and then just stopped. And it was just like, well, that's not affecting anybody. <laughs> yeah, the map is, is so big that one little minute piece of the map being cut off just meant, well, there's so many other places I could go. And it just means, oh, well, don't go there. I mean, in theory, you could <laughs> go through the fire. You have to get out of it. But it never really felt like a true threat. It felt like just an addition to the game that added an extra mechanic that felt unnecessary. But I think we should go into our final thoughts. Yeah, all in all, I I really like the concept of this game, trying to merge like killer like Jason and making this map that looks like a camp with a lake. And it looks cool. Like the map looks really cool. Mm-hmm. But there's just there's too much going on at this game at once. <laughs> there's too many tokens, too many different factors, especially once you add Camp Apache that can affect the game. And it feels like it's less and less outside of your own control. And the map is just it's way too big. I, I was really hoping that I was going to feel as the killer or the survivor, these tense moments where we were in the same area to each other, trying to outmaneuver and outsmart the other player. But most of the time I spent in this game was just moving across the map because it was just too damn big. So what would you give it on a scale of one to 10? On a scale of one to 10, I probably would only give it a, probably a four. Um, I like the concept. I just, I I actually want to lower it to a three out of four, a three out of 10. It's just, I would not want to play this game again. And I don't think it's friendly enough to bring in new players to try to teach them just because it's so much information to overload (laughs) them with. I wouldn't see myself playing this game again in the future. It wasn't a successful board game to me. I could give a new player a survivor and tell him all you do is move and try and get into these cabins and then I can break it down by chapter. But I don't feel like that player will ever truly understand what he's doing and there's a chance he could die right away. And I don't feel like this truly captures that horror movie aesthetic of a serial killer on its way to kill you at the camp and you're you know trying to survive for your life 
do or die scenario, it feels like it never fully achieves that level and Mm. ultimately feels disappointing, despite the fact that the board is absolutely beautiful and the theme is very strong, but it doesn't ever do that. It's not a game that feels like it's a party type game and it doesn't feel like a highly strategic game either, like other hidden movement games. So for that Mm. reason, I feel like it's a fun game to pull out every once in a while if you want to have fun and imagine you're a killer and make it more of a joke than it is as long as you don't take it too seriously by chance you could have a little more fun with it and so for that reason i maybe would give it a i would give it a six out of ten as it still has really good ideas and mechanics mm-hmm. there that set that just never feels like they really come together last thing i would like to add on you know everything you were stating there is i think you could make this game slightly a little more fun if you include some of the stuff from the expansion and exclude some of the stuff from the expansion or even the base mm-hmm. game and just kind of create your own set of rules with the combination of both the expansion and the base game but i don't i don't feel like that game should force you to do that it's not really like the game encourages that either it kind of wants you to follow these rules Yet it never feels like the rules pull it together. Well, while we played this game a couple of times, I still enjoyed my experience because it's uh, really fun to play these type of horror games where we can really think critically about it and what we like out of them and help us appreciate certain elements. So I still love the hidden movement games in general, and we look forward to reviewing more of them in the future. So I appreciate you guys listening. This is uh, Monster Seeking Meeple. I'm Tyler. And this is Cole. And I appreciate it again. Yeah, thank you guys.